Welcome to Wisc Pro Sports. My name is Jesse McNamer, and I will be the host of this podcast. This is the first ever episode of Wisc Pro Sports. It was just kind of an idea I've had for a while. Uh, just kind of slowly came to fruition. I figured uh, with, with school starting, now is about the time to get it going, get it into my schedule. Uh, Wisc Pro Sports is pretty self-explanatory. The idea of this podcast is just to talk uh, Packers, Brewers, and Bucks probably once a week. I'd say that'd probably be Monday. We'll see how it goes, see if I can crank it up maybe more, maybe less. We'll see. I would say once a week is a pretty good expectation. So without further ado, I think we can just kind of get into it. Uh, I say we start with the Brewers. Brewers are the only team of those three that are in season right now. Football is coming up. We'll have a lot more Packers. Very excited for that. Bucks shortly after late October. It's all starting to heat up. But right now, all we got is our Milwaukee Brewers. And let me tell you, man, this is a frustrating team. For how much hype we have, for how much better I thought we had gotten since last year uh, with keeping, you know, Yelich, Kane, keeping Moose again, although one-year deal, never never like that. Um, and getting Grandal to one-year deal, which I do like that. Uh, where we're at right now is not where I want us to be. No Brewers fan wants us to be here. While we're still competing for the top of the division, still competing for that wild card, we're not competing like last year, and I think that was the expectation. We don't look like an NLCS team this year. From pitching, starting, bullpen, uh, our coaching staff even seems just down this year. Definitely our hitting, and especially the hitting with runners in scoring position. All of these things together have just created a worse ball club. And it's really just starting to come out. This past weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday series in Washington to start our road trip. Losing two of the three really sucks. But more importantly, winning that crazy game on Saturday where I was just unreal excited. Like, this is the team that I remember fighting every single chance they had. They were they were making the most of it, and they pulled it out late Saturday night. Come Sunday, Chase Anderson on the mound. Not a great pitcher, but certainly uh, for the Brewers' standards of starting pitching this year, you feel pretty good about it. He gives up 10 earned in under three innings. That's really the game. We end up scoring eight. They end up scoring 16. There's not a whole lot you can do about that. If you if your starter gives up 10 earned after a night where you go 14 innings and win 15-14, that's just one you kind of got to take. And uh, you got to be happy that you scored eight runs um, going into the St. Louis series. You had to feel pretty good because this St. Louis series that we're currently in is a big one. Two games down going into it. Cardinals tied with the Cubs. This was a perfect chance for us to really gain some ground. Cubs had the off day Monday. I thought, you know, we've got we've got the bats going. This should be this should be going well for us. Yelch is healthy again, relatively speaking. Definitely good enough to get a win. We don't get a hit until the eighth inning. Not one single hit. There were a few walks, but how do we score from? How do we go from scoring twenty three runs 
on Saturday, Sunday to scoring zero in an entire nine-inning game against not even, like, a pitcher that, I mean, the opponent average was 212. Like, that's not crazy. I don't get it. And that first hit was huge, too. Like, don't get me wrong. That that first hit was awesome. Grandall down the right field line, double. We had second and third. Two outs, Yelich coming up, down three. Like, everything seemed – it seemed primed for a, a Yelich moment. And then he tapped out, like, to second base maybe. I don't know. Whatever it was, the play didn't matter. The whole thing didn't matter. We go quietly in the ninth. That's the game. Three nothing. And we find ourselves three games back now. And two and a half back of the Cubs. Now, it's not just, like, the recent play. That's upsetting. This has been going on all season. If you look month by month, the Brewers have been sitting right around 500 each and every month. I think in their best month, they went 16 and 12. In their worst, like 13 and 15. Really just sitting around that 500. And that's just not where you expected this team to be after they had 96 wins last year. It just doesn't seem like we're going to have that late season push we had last year. And, And I feel like that's kind of been evident all year. And so really my biggest grievance right now and another thing I can do about it, it's just can kind of been weighing on me. And since this is the first episode, I'm going to get it out. How did we not trade Moose or Grandall at the deadline? That does not make sense to me. We're clear and not saying those guys aren't worthy of being on the team. They're clearly starters. Like I love Grandall. I love Moose. Moose has really turned it up lately but they're both on one-year deals. We're clearly not the team we are last year. The Dodgers are running away with the NL. Even so, you got teams, I think, clearly above us in the Cubs and the Cardinals. You also have the Braves. There's even in the NL, and that's just NL alone. Like, if we're talking, we should be expecting World Series. That's NL alone. That's in our way. Not to mention the top-heavy AL. So with all these obstacles, and I feel like this has been clear for everybody, I don't know how we didn't try and trade Moose or Grandall. And the even weirder part is we got rid of Dubon, one of our top prospects at the deadline as well. And obviously we needed pitching. They did it for pitching. But even that, we got, I think, four, five pitchers at the deadline, two of them around one-year deals. That's not even that's not even helping your farm system. I don't know what that is. I think you clearly have to go for starters or you go for the farm system because we just kind of cleared it out a little bit. We got have Keston up now. We have Grisham up. These are kind of guys we were starting to filter into the pro league. We need to refill uh, the San Antonio missions. We got to refill our minor league teams. Moose and Grandal and or they seemed like great candidates for that, especially Moose. I think Moose, especially because we want – Shaw to work out at the major league level. It seems that that's very evident that they're not going to keep him in AAA for very long ever, and especially because he did very good there. There's not there's not enough room for Shaw to be up there. I don't know what – he's not getting any daily work lately. He's just kind of riding the bench. He's not in AAA where he was getting swings. The clear moves seem to be move moose to a contending team maybe get a couple of pitching prospects. I don't know. Seems simple to me. I'm not an expert, but that seems like the move. Now, Grandall also, if he had the market for it, not moves. I wouldn't do both probably, 
maybe if you really had a good deal for it. But we also have Pena, and Pena's not hitting terribly lately. He, I mean, he doesn't hit often, but when he does, it's very timely, and it's usually with a lot of power. And again, this just isn't the Brewers' season. There's still Yankees, Astros, Twins. I mean, I've already named like seven, eight teams that I feel are just clearly better than us and in our way, and we don't seem like we're going to improve. And again, because this is the first episode, I want to I wanna share my thoughts on Hater because that's also a pretty hot topic. Hater should not, we should never think about moving him. He's still got velocity. He's still got that crazy arm action. It's just different this year, whether that be him or that be the pitching coaches or whatever have you, you can work it out. Now, my biggest thing, the biggest stat that I've noticed is that he is throwing 20 to 30%, and I could be wrong on that. I know it's around 20% more first-pitch fastballs this season than last year. And in his, as a result, he has given up 13 home runs this season, which is, first off, 13 home runs is how many he gave up in his first two seasons um, in the bigs, which were the last two. This season, he's equaled that total, and we're not even through it. Of those 13 home runs, five of them were first-pitch fastballs. That is an insane, insane number of first pitch for being a reliever that usually comes in one inning, maybe two, and has probably the deadliest fastball right now in the majors of relievers. That's just that's just crazy to me. And I don't know whose fault that is. I don't know if it is even a problem. I don't know I don't know the analytics behind this whole thing, but it seems clear to me that if you're throwing 20 to 30% more fastball, first pitch fastballs this season. Maybe you should try something more like last season where you were the best reliever in all of baseball. You had a crazy, amazing season. Nobody, everybody feared you this year. You're still, I mean, I know you're top. I know he's top five of uh, opponent average of relievers, but I also saw that he's top five in slugging against or something along those lines it was a power hitting stat i don't know baseball you know can get into pretty serious stats it wasn't one i exactly recognized it was something along the line of slugging plus what have you it wasn't ops i know that but i know he was among the leaders in just giving up power hits when he gives them up and that's just not the hater we're used to now this isn't to say that the season is over because if I said that, then I'd just be admitting I'm wasting my time every single night watching this team. Because I do watch, I'd say, probably 75% of these games. And, I mean, that's kind of a crazy amount. I started from the very beginning of the season. I've ridden with them the whole way. I feel pretty invested. I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to say it's over. Because I'm not ready to admit defeat yet. Because of what happened last year, especially. Now, I definitely don't think it's going to be last year. I'm not crazy but I'm not ready to give up on the team. And there's a few reasons. And number one, we have Christian Yelich, arguably the best player in baseball. Obviously, Mike Trout pretty firmly holds that title. But if you go year by year, Christian Yelich these past two seasons has really given him and Bellinger a run for their money. In terms of MVP race this year, I'm not really going to get big into it. I think the stats will speak for themselves at the end of the year. I don't think you should take into uh, account record too much. 
of both teams. I'm not really big on like saying like just because he's the better player and the better team, he has more help or anything like that for Bellinger or uh, because Yelch is on a worse team, he shouldn't get it. I don't really care. I think the stats um, should speak for themselves, especially in a sport like baseball. But having Yelich on your team and seeing him just rake night in and night out and seeing pitchers fear him and just walking him all the time, that in itself is extremely fun. So when he's injured, which he has been for two or three stints this season, that's when it's really no fun, and that's when you really find out if you're uh, if you're a real Brewers fan. But, yeah, one big reason to watch him still is Yelich. Now my second favorite reason to watch this team apart from team success are the rookies, specifically Grisham and Hira. First off with Keston Hira, the kid can rake like no other. Has like, I think, 13 home runs right now. Cannot field. Unreal fielding. I don't really get it. You're at second base. is kind of one of the easiest spots on the field, I think any baseball player will say you don't have to have the greatest arm if you kind of you know botch it a little bit you know you have time to recover I don't know what happens to him out in the field but it's kind of entertaining I'm not gonna lie it does suck but at a level it is a little entertaining to watch him you know ninth inning two outs easiest ground ball ever whips it 10 feet left to first base I don't know what happens there ended up not costing us and that's why it's kind of entertaining but you don't like that. You don't like to see it. But at the same time, he can just rake like no other. And we haven't had that as in a middle infield player in so long in Milwaukee. Or Arcia pretty much has locked up shortstop because he's a great fielder up there with the best in the league. Just perpetually cannot hit. Always will be a 220-230 hitter. I don't really know what to do about that. And, you know, with Arcia just being there so long, you just kind of been used to the middle infield just kind of not hitting with, you know, Hernan Perez playing some second, Tyler Saladino trying some second. We've just kind of gotten used to no hitting in the middle infield, and that's kind of been a problem. It kind of shortens the lineup a little bit. And so to have Kesson, who can hit pretty much anywhere, he's not overly fast, but he can hit second, third, fourth, and then obviously anything lower in the in the lineup. It's really fun to watch when you know a guy can have a super quick cut and it could just be an absolute 400-foot bomb. The other guy that is fun to watch is Grisham. Trent Grisham, much newer call-up. Wasn't so sure about him, but, you know, with Kane not really hitting lately, you kind of got to try something out. You already have Gamble up. He's been up all year. We know a little bit more about him, but Grisham now has three home runs, including one uh, go-ahead bomb late last week. That was awesome. He has that super cool batting stance where he just no gloves it like a, like he holds it like a golf club, really. And I don't know if I've ever seen anybody do that. I mean, I'm only 21 years old, so I don't have like the most baseball watching experience. But that seems pretty, pretty abnormal. And I know I've heard uh, Bill Anderson or Bill Anderson, Ben Anderson and Bill Schroeder talk about it on air. Uh, and I know that's pretty unique to them, too. So I trust them in that assessment. Bottom line, you have Yelich, you have Keston, you have Grisham. Right now, those three guys are my main reasons to watch the Brewers, aside from team success. 
right now. All right, I think I think that's enough Brewers talk for the first episode. That's just kind of catching up with where we are right now, where my opinions lie with some of that stuff. I'm sure more will come out as we get going. Um, but after this, I can just kind of assess the last week every single time if I do it, you know, Monday, an episode every Monday. And I think that'll work out best. But we can transition on to some Packers. So the Packers training camp is starting to wind down. We're getting real close to the season, only a couple weeks out. A lot of storylines have come out, but that always happens um, with Aaron Rodgers being your quarterback. Obviously, everybody's going to be jealous all the time. And now when you have a new coaching staff, and especially a new head coach that may not fit Aaron Rodgers' exact style, the media is going to be all over it, and they definitely have been. Obviously, Mike McCarthy, Aaron Rodgers didn't have the greatest relationship and so that just kind of adds to the uh, microscope that LaFleur and Rodgers will be on this season. Honestly, if you're a Packer fan, I don't know really what you're worried about at this point. Anything that you've actually concretely seen from camp seems pretty positive. Obviously, there have been some quotes, but uh, if, you, if you're just in any work setting and you see something wrong with like productivity, I guess, you know, something that you think could help the company do something more efficiently, quicker, like save money, you speak out about it. And that's just kind of the way I see Rogers doing this stuff. Rogers is about three years younger, I believe, than LaFleur. I believe LaFleur is 39. Rogers being 36, they're not that different. Like they have both a ton of football experience. Pa- Rogers has been on the Packers his entire career. He knows quite a bit. Him speaking out doesn't come off as being negative or an issue in the locker room or anything like that. I think he is pretty much solidified himself as the leader and the way that he leads is the way people need to follow. And I think for the most part, I think they're aware of that. I don't think they would hire a coach that couldn't get along with them. I think they did a good job. Everything I've heard from Matt Floor, he seems pretty confident. I might not agree with all of his tactics. Uh, I am definitely worried about tackling as Every single Packers fan is every single year, and it seems like this year might not be any different. I don't know about that. We'll see. But as a whole, you have to feel pretty good about the Packers leading into the season at this point. We're relatively healthy. We have a lot of new guys. You really just don't know what the team's going to be, and to judge it as far as we are right now, uh, one way or the other, I don't really know where you'd get your information from. We're lucky enough to have a team that doesn't really have many internal problems orchestrated from within. You know, you'll have, like, in taking Antonio Brown right now. He's taken over the league by storm. Like, we don't have that issue. We just really never have had a player like that in Green Bay, and it's been like that my entire life, as long as I can remember. We've been pretty chill. We always have had personalities, not going to say that, but we're not having guys be big problems in the locker room. And I think anytime the media tries to find that, it's just a way to get clicks. You know, I don't know if you really blame them. That's up to you. But to me, that doesn't, doesn't really bother me. What I notice the most, is really a lot of Chicago media sites and obviously Chicago. They, they can't get Aaron Rodgers out of their head ever. And I think they will just always have to live with that. If you have been a fan of the Bears in the last 15 years, Rodgers will kind of always haunt you. Even in his worst years, 
he can still take advantage, and there's no reason to see that stopping right now. Uh, you have to believe Aaron Jones is going to have a bigger impact in the offense this year, more uh, more receiving. I'm very excited about Aaron Jones, if I'm being honest. He's going to be a, a, a great breakout, I think. But then you switch over just to the entire defense. There, I have so little of an opinion on the defense right now. It's kind of sad. The like the whole defense has been shaken up. We got total new like front seven. We were working in you know Amos into our secondary. We're like having a lot of competition back there. I believe the best guys will come out, and I just really want everybody to be healthy. I want Savage to be able to play. Darnell Savage. I think would be insane. Him with Amos in the back. That seems pretty scary to me. And I don't know how the front seven will do, but uh, I have a lot of confidence. There's a lot of depth there. As long as the coaches can pick out the guys that they feel fit best, I think you have to be pretty optimistic about the way this Green Bay team is uh, looking for the beginning of the season. Last but not least, I'll throw in some Bucks talk into this first podcast. I'll try and add a little bit in. Although probably not a lot will be happening um, as the season's still about two months away. There has been the World Cup this summer. And uh, the only really thing I look for in that is that we don't really get injured. That would be a big bummer, obviously. It's not super likely, but I mean, it can happen. And uh, I know to them as individuals, um, it's important. But if you're a member of like the Bucks, like front office or you're just a fan, you're kind of scared watching four of your um, players on your roster go out there and uh, put it on the line um, for what isn't going to end up in a NBA championship. So the, the players we got out there for Bucks, we have Brooke Lopez, Chris Milton are on Team USA, and uh, Giannis and his brother Thanasis are on Greek team. And I couldn't believe I almost forgot. Ersan Ilyasova on Turkey. That was a pretty cool matchup if you saw Turkey versus Greece. Uh, Ersan had some pretty pretty sweet plays on, uh, on Greece. I was pretty surprised hitting some deep threes and uh, even a floater over Giannis, I believe, uh, with starting that whole um, series uh, crossing up. Not totally crossing, but, I mean, getting by Thanasis, who isn't a terrible defender. That was pretty exciting. So, so far, all are healthy. Um Chris Middleton uh, and Brooke Lopez are kind of seen as the leaders on Team USA, which is pretty cool. Um, they can bring probably some of those lessons back with them to Coach Bud. Uh, the coach there, obviously, um, with Team USA is Greg Popovich. Uh, Greg Popovich and Mike Budenholzer have worked together for many years. Mike Budenholzer was an assistant on his staff in San Antonio for a number of years. So, uh I imagine those uh, two players will fit in pretty well with Team USA. Giannis has stayed healthy. That's, uh, I mean, he's just kind of been a destroyer. That's just, you know, Giannis things. We'll save more Giannis talk for when it gets closer. What I'm kind of excited about is uh, the play that Thanasis has shown. He is a pretty, pretty decent defender, I'd say. His offensive numbers have not been anything to laugh about. He's putting up a consistent, you know, eight to ten points, uh, a few rebounds, a few assists. His field goal percentage, his two-point field goal percentage, uh, I want to be clear, it's two-pointers. He's kept it pretty high up there, like 60%, 70% every game. And obviously that's decently low volume. 
but that's kind of what we're expecting, right? He's the 14th, 15th man on the Bucks roster right now. And all we really need out of that guy is to just go in there, hit a couple of shots and get out and not be a total liability on defense. And I think Thanasis can do that. If he is also a reason that Giannis might want to stay in Milwaukee, I'd say that's another plus. Like everything around Thanasis with being a decent player and could be potentially a reason Giannis wants to stay. I think those are two good enough reasons uh, to justify him being a part of the team. Although I know a lot of Bucks fans are not a fan of that signing. The last thing I'll mention about the Bucks is that uh, this has come out a couple weeks ago, I believe, but they are Vegas favorites to win the championship this year. Um, the odds came out for what the chance they make the playoffs, you know, first round, second round, all the way to the finals, easily the best odds all the way through Philadelphia being second. Um, some of the other more obvious options, Clippers being up there. This is so much different than anything any Bucks fan is used to. Like last year, you came into the season, you're like, okay, let's see if we can get out of that first round. Almost did it the year before with the losing to the Celtics in seven in Boston. This year, you're like, okay, let's see if we can maybe get some home court, get out of that first round. And obviously, they greatly overperformed our expectations. Started out 7-0, and ended up winning 60 games. Like That's nothing you expected from the beginning with the new coaching staff, new system, new players. You didn't know what was coming. This season, it is well expected from the second our season ended that this season we should put ourselves in position at least to be top five favorites. And with all the moves that happened this offseason with a lot of realignment and uh, more, I'd say, and I think most people would say this more like evenly matched teams, Milwaukee finds themselves at the very top of most uh, Vegas odds. And that's just something I, at least personally, am not used to. We have the expectation from day one to be a championship contender, Probably not going to get 60 wins again. I wouldn't be that upset because I think that did play a factor into the Toronto series. But I think we can get that, hopefully that first seed for home court advantage throughout the playoffs. If we get second at the end of the world, um, Philly will be uh, extremely tough this year. They pretty much made a team to stop Giannis. Honestly, could work. I don't know. But you have to feel good about everything. And I know Brogdon's gone now. He was a pretty major part. In my opinion, we're better this year than last year. I think we fit what we need better. That two position that Brogdon filled, uh, that can be split up a lot more, I think. We'll have Wes Matthews starting. You still have Dante DiVincenzo, so hopefully he can be healthy. Hopefully he's still a first-round pick for us. Like That's some guy we can't forget about. He has a lot of potential. Still Sterling, Sterling Brown in there. You can throw some Kyle Corver minutes in there. Obviously, he's not a traditional two. But with Bud's system, you can fit him in there for those lower lineups. It's not going to be the same as when Brogdon was here, but I think we have enough guys to fill in those gaps that we should really, honestly, be better than we were last year. And my full expectation, no matter what happens this year, is to win the championship. I don't care if we're just sneaking into the playoffs. Obviously, if that's happening because of like injuries to Giannis or something like that, God forbid, I would change my mind. But 
I don't see how any Bucks fan can't have the expectation of championship or bust this year. I truly believe championship or bust. I think that's kind of what every team says at the beginning of a year, um, but might mean something a little bit like they take, you know, that first round, you know, that first round maybe uh, appearing in the conference finals. We've been to the conference finals now. We know what it's about. We won two games in it. No more of that. That's that's not what Pfizer, that's not what Milwaukee deserves. It is time to take that next step. Let's see Giannis take this team to the championship and win it. Let's see him sign an extension. Let's see the entire Milwaukee city just light up come the end of the season. I am so ready for this Bucks team to make some waves. Just a few years ago, they were talking about being moved. Now we're under new management, entitled contenders, and I'm so, so excited. All right. Well, that'll about wrap up this first episode of Whisk Pro Sports. Uh, you'll have to let me know if you even listen to this far. I'd be incredibly surprised if I even have five people hearing these words. Um, but if you do tell me what you liked, maybe what you didn't like, this is the first one. I have no idea what I'm doing at all. Making this up as I go. Hopefully, it'll just get better week by week. We'll keep it short so it's not too much of a time commitment. We'll see what happens, basically. Uh, my name is Jesse McNamer. Thank you guys uh, for getting this far. And I'll see you next week. Thank you.